0: Welcome to Hort Culture, where a group of extension professionals and plant people talk about the business, production and joy of planting seeds and helping them grow. Join us as we explore the culture of horticulture. Hello. I hope everybody is full of carbohydrates right now. I hope okay. all you listeners are full of carbohydrates. I, myself, I'm full of carbohydrates. <laughs> uh, so I, I hope you have that luxury in your life to just mostly be made up of carbohydrates. May you too cheese, be full
1: of carbohydrates.
2: Dairy wait, wait, wait products. A wait a minute. Bacon, though, is protein protein
3: is
0: I had leftover Fizzolis that is a, from a program I had a week ago. So Yes.
2: Isn't that <laughs> literally means cards, L- yeah. listen. Cards.
0: I did a program with an ag agent last week and the rule of ag agents uh is that you have to feed people. And mm-hmm. so uh we did that and we got them lots of pasta. And made them sit and listen to info about <laughs> record keeping.
2: Did <laughs> it work? Did you have a good crowd? I, we
0: had twenty people, man. I was super record pumped keeping about it. Something worked. That yeah. was uh, that. That's so not f- always it the, the easiest <laughs>
2: It was it was the carbs, man. It was You're the gonna carbs.
1: Go into the local fazoli's and ask him what the statute of limitations on the unlimited breadsticks policy. is? <laughs> <Yeah. like? laughs>
2: they I tell always them order them extra. They, just, they look just, at your face and realize your total days. Uh, <laughs> I'd like Here's some like,
0: more. I ate the rest of them yesterday, so. Yeah. Nice. They, it comes with a lot, but then I ordered extra, not really realizing how many came with like your pasta as well. So it was just like Carps on carbs on carbs. I like that. Stack I have a I have
1: a more serious question to ask everyone. Whoa, fine. Man, brace fine. for impact.
2: Brace so this is
1: based impact. on this is based on two American ph- cultural phenomena that I I really like, but don't quite understand why people love it so much, and that is Taylor <laughs> Swift and the NFL, which has just been everywhere. <laughs> Right. So I was thinking that that's what sparked this idea. But, you know, in the NFL and all the sports, they have jersey sales that have like a number and it's the player, you know, you can wear the uh, actually we have an NFL jersey owner joining us. She can weigh in on this in a second, but I, (laughs) I wanted to throw out the idea of why why can't we could we get extension uniforms with numbers and our names on the back? And then, Mm. you know, sell them to to the three people that would purchase them. And Mm -hmm. what number would you be if you had such a uniform?
2: Number one, I called it. Sorry, Lexus. Oh,
3: (laughs) (laughs) wow. I
0: I despise that number.
3: (laughs) Double zero for sure.
0: Of course. Number two
2: is okay. First place loser. That's fine. (laughs) Mm. Brett? I kind of like two. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: That was my uh, (laughs) call. Are there any numbers in the NFL that are just one? The know, that's a great question. Lamar Jackson is eight. Okay, yeah,
3: I think QBs and kickers can do. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would be number one? six.
0: That is my number. Uh, my name backwards, fun fact, is Sixilla, so. Sixala. So I never knew that about
3: you. <laughs>
2: oh. Wow, that's. I mean, that's really my favorite well, you word. You can now log six-a-la. into
0: any of my. That is any of. Anything.
4: Uh, you might want to go change some passwords, <laughs> Alexis. I'm just
2: saying. Wow.
4: Emily, what about you? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Um,
0: <laughs> by the way, we have a guest. Her name's University. Emily. Just because it's like kind of unlucky, but.
2: 13, oh, yeah, that's, 30, that's, 30, that's Taylor's 30. favorite number.
0: And said it is it's her oh, birthday. Man. I thought it was yeah. two
2: for two cats. Doesn't she have cats?
0: <laughs> she doesn't. <laughs> oh. Number
2: two. I don't know. Yeah, they're
0: they're the midget cats, like where I have corgis and they're midgets. She has I'm whatever. I'm sure that's, that's not the breed name.
2: Midget cats, little babies.
0: I bet if you Google it, you like little midget cats.
3: That's cool. Yeah, they well, have
0: short little corgi legs. Well, uh.
1: our guest, our guest, you may have noticed an, <laughs> an extra voice in the mix here today—a voice of reason amongst this group of clowns children, we're joined today by emily spencer who uh, works with the, the univer- university of kentucky extension service as well on campus um, and I'll, I'll let her introduce herself more thoroughly but i would just say she's uh, been working with us since 2020 during that crazy that crazy time starting virtually and then now transitioning back to the the hybrid thing that we do and she's brings us so many different skills and so many perspectives and experience that I just, it has really enriched our Center for Crop Diversification team. And so we wanted to have her on today and we'll talk about what we're going to talk about. But Emily, if you had anything that you wanted to, you could talk about your uh, your sweet babies that you have at home. What are they, what have they been up to lately? You could talk about your chickens, you can talk about. Whatever, whatever it's you It's Your feel awesomeness
0: like. in general. Talk in about yeah, just so like, some, is, your recent. What do makes you the best?
4: Oh, <laughs> I'm flattered. I'm excited to be here. Yes, so I work for the Center for Crop Diversification with Brett, and I have a lot of babies at home. I could talk about. I have <laughs> two dogs, two cats, and ten chickens. Yes, yes. that are like my besties. So. <laughs> Hang out with them a lot in my free time. I have a question.
2: Do you name the chickens though?
4: Some of them have names. My favorite. Good. Yeah. Like there's one that's stunted and she has a name because she's so small. What's the name? It's Puff.
0: Puff. Puff. Puff.
2: Puff.
0: I'm here for it.
2: Sounds delicious. I kid, I kid, I kid. (laughs) What so, so are you into any specific types of chickens? But I've always had chickens in the past growing up, and it's uh fond memories I have of having like a chickens around the farm. But uh, are you into like specific ones or just whatever?
4: I mean, just whatever. But my favorite yeah. that I have right now are um, I have two little Cochin bantams. Oh, yeah, which, like if you don't know what they are, they basically are, like, the size and shape of a soccer ball, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. round and stoked. Very round. <laughs> and they have, like, on the predator awareness scale, they're, like, extremely <laughs> low.
3: <laughs> Perfect. So like, like that slug that. is going to get them, yeah. That's <laughs> what you want in a <laughs> yeah. chubby, flightless bird.
0: <laughs> right. Easily <Yeah>. attached. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I'm here for that size and shape of a soccer ball. Some one day I feel like that's how they're gonna describe me in my old age. (laughs) Looking for the woman, size and shape of a soccer ball, curves like a sailor,
2: (laughs) with an attitude of a fighting chicken. She
0: always has flowers in her room, but she will stab you if you touch them. Like that's that's the vibe I'm giving. She she just
2: pecks a lot. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, uh, Emily. And so what what we're trying to do this fall is cover some topics that are a little more timeless, you know, things like garden prep or things like uh, maybe seed selection or something like that, but also things that are a little more timely for the fall. And I think, you know, it's officially been feeling a little bit cooler in the mornings, a little bit crisper. We covered, Mm -hmm. I think, last week or the week before that Ray is fully in pumpkin spice latte mode mm.
2: PSL to you, engaged, buddy.
1: aged PSL to the, to the uninitiated um, <laughs> in, in, in initiated. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and part of that, I think for the people who are, who are into this, um, this side of things this horticultural world, local foods, all that kind of stuff. And increasingly just more, more and more people, I think in general are into this agritourism thing. Um, and so maybe we could talk a little bit about what we like about agritourism and the cool stuff there. But the, the main reason we're going to be coming back with, with Emily is she's been working on this really cool series that she can tell us more about a video series highlighting some practices from real producers called Producer Voices through the Center for Crop Diversification. And part of that is this agritourism 2.0, acknowledging that there was there is the traditional agritourism that we think of and love and enjoy going out and, and uh, capturing a little farm life from uh, on the weekends. But there's also this other cool stuff that people f- it, taking a different angle, doing some different activities that aren't the pumpkin patch and the apple picking.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so maybe to start, have you all have you all hit up any agritourism venues so far this this fall, or you have any plans to?
2: Like personally, or like professional site visits we got to break it down brett
1: whatever you want
2: ma'am. <laughs> <We laughs> yeah treat, we, we treat the whole started.
1: person here on we have a, <laughs>
2: we, we've started i mean september one is just like the prelude to halloween to me so listen i know that the orchard activities we have uh, uh, some very good orchards here you know locally that are, we're blessed to have like really close to the house and uh, yeah, we have a ten-year-old, so he is my excuse to go slide down the big slides at Evans Orchard, yeah, and other local orchards. So yeah, we've already started. How about you guys?
0: I live very close to one, um, and depending on what when I go to work, like I mean, by live close, I mean I'm within three miles of one. And depending which way I go to work, I will pass it. And they are they kind of do all sorts of stuff: strawberries and pumpkins and they have the big slides and they have a zip line and they now have uh the spinny teacups and they also oh, wow. i have been told have spinny just received what? the spinny teacups oh
1: okay gotcha.
0: teacups, and i also have been told they just secured like it is at the farm being put up a um you know those swings those really tall swings that turn you and you go flying yeah. out yeah, we're, we're yeah. scream
2: a lot on those. yeah i'm yeah. super
0: pumped about them being so close to me
1: because mm, of the screaming because you yeah. love it i just feel like <laughs> i'm halloween i i know
0: i won't but <laughs> i just feel like the old person who's like get off my lawn this is that version of that for me i see but other mm. than that their strawberries are like all the cool plant stuff they do is is it's so much to do. Uh, uh, it's and amazing. I've been in their greenhouses yeah. and they have some beautiful hanging baskets and things like that. So there's that. I'm par- to, I'm a grumpy.
4: I went to one, um, two weekends ago now. And like, it's not really a seasonal thing because it was, um, dying fabric with plants. Like, oh. they were harvesting. yeah, it was really cool, but it was seasonal because it was like, you know, black walnut, which they had just harvested because they're falling off the trees now. And that kind of stuff, and it was really awesome. I have Gen-
1: dyed the the knees and fronts of many of my clothes uh, with mm. black walnuts mm-hmm. <laughs> in an amateur setting. <laughs> right, right. Your hands—that's really cool. Is this, is this? Do they do indigo sometimes as well, or is that? I did, I think yeah, it right. was
4: indigo and black walnut. Yeah, which I learned. <laughs> this is kind of a side thing, but I learned that indigo is like. Like similar to like a sourdough starter where like once you get it going, you have to like keep the bloom alive and like keep yeah. feeding it and stuff like that, which is cool. Whoa. It's also really difficult, I think. We keep could do a whole going. other
0: episode on natural dyes because like I have learned a lot about them this year. It's a great and idea. Super mm, choked and grew a bunch of plants and like did it. And anyways, sorry, side note, but that's so exciting. That's fun.
1: <laughs> can you, can you shout, out, shout out where that was that
0: you –
4: yeah, it was a Among the Oaks Herb Farm.
0: Yeah, cool. Sarah! Uh,
4: yeah, so I'm part of their CSA, and it, as part of like the pickup for the quarterly CSA boxes, they always do a workshop associated with
1: uh-huh. it. Oh, really nice. How fun. Josh?
3: I haven't been to anything yet this year. I've been mostly working on stuff around the house, but I saw a poster for this like Kentucky Mush- Mushroom Fest that's like happening in October. I was kind of curious about it and starting to look into it. Um, cause that's cool.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So many festivals, uh, this time of year in Kentucky, it seems like, especially this time of year, the only thing that is frustrating to me is that there are so many is picking and choosing because we Mm -hmm. only have so many weekends of good weather. So it's tough. It's really tough to, to hit all of these so much fun
1: yeah if you're trying to select some pumpkins or apples you have to pick and choose about when to pick and choose
2: <laughs> yes nice i see
0: <laughs> so
3: what you did choices, there
2: choices mm-hmm. and, and
3: that don't coming. go when yeah. the
0: school buses are gonna be there yeah just don't do that yeah <laughs> it's usually no. during the week when you think you're like i'm gonna beat the crowds and i'm gonna go mm-hmm. during the week and not on the weekend no. there That's will creative. be a school bus Part of
3: succeeding as a tourist is to avoid other tourists <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we bus- can
2: be alone together yes
3: <laughs> Yeah, so the, the things, uh, with the exception of
1: Emily's, because um, she's cool, the, most of what we said so far is kind of that agritourism, the OG approach, you know, straw bales and falls the big season and, <clears throat> excuse me, and I, I think that that still has a huge role to play in our state. Uh, I think it provides an opportunity for folks who live in urban areas to get out and, and spend some time outside, again, recapture or capturing that sense of farm life and this really nice curated way that just so happens to be a really good earner for a lot of our producers. Mm-hmm. And I, there are a number of successful agritourism operations. But I think one of the cool things, uh, and maybe Emily, if you could start out talking a little bit about the, the producer voices thing and how it kind of you know, started out and came to be and some of the topics that you've covered. And then eventually we'll end up, I think, talking a little bit about some of your experiences with these agritourism operations that are doing things a little different from the, the pumpkin patch and the straw bales.
4: Yeah. So the producer voices series, um, which Brett is working with me on, he's acting like it's all me, but it's both of us. It's essentially kind of taking the stories of farmers that are doing this really awesome work and using it as a training opportunity for other producers across the state. So we have, you know, several different episodes that are in production right now. One is making time for marketing. We have like a relationship selling episode, this agritourism 2.0. We have a really cool one on farm stores, like on farm retail nice operations and stuff like that. And yeah, but the agritourism 2.0 has been like, obviously really cool episode to film just because we get to, you know, it's, it's a little bit more creative and out of the box compared to, you know, another episode we're doing is record keeping. <laughs> <laughs> and to get to like really engage with these producers that have like these awesome ideas for all different reasons you know why they're doing the these agritourism opportunities and kind of learning from them about you know why they're doing it
1: i just imagine putting an explicit content warning at the beginning of the record keeping one just to get people <laughs> to be like what <laughs> you, watch you uh, need it to be provocative yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have a nice, marketing a record rest. keeping video marketing. that's shaking up Kentucky. I
4: will say that record keeping one is low key. Very, very good. I think it's going to be really cool when it comes out, but it's, you know, if people watch it,
1: I'm going to watch
0: it. it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch all of them. They're all exciting.
1: Cool, smart people talking on it. And that always is a draw. And I think, I think, yeah, I just think in general, the the ethos of providing an opportunity for producers to share their information, but to do Mm -hmm. a little curation of the ideas and a little bit of like just trimming it. All, All of us could use the benefits of an editor sometimes to just make our thoughts a little more streamlined. Super, super cool. The on-farm store one I think is really interesting because it's covering very different scales and approaches to having a retail space. Cool. Like really, truly different, like very, very bare bones, minimalist all the way through to maybe like almost like a small grocery store. But on the on the agritourism front, and I'm, I am just you know everybody else, feel free to jump in. I'll, I'll be a little more quiet after this. Can you talk about a couple of the maybe the ideas that are the, the places that you saw that offered stuff or the the kind of the spurring of that initial idea that like this is agritourism. It's just a different form of doing that. and then, and then maybe any of the places that you've visited so far?
4: Yeah, I think like you know kind of thinking about the pumpkin patch idea and like the apple orchards and that kind of stuff you know with the main goal for a lot of farmers i think is to have another revenue stream Mm -hmm. i think what we're seeing with agritourism 2.0 is like possibly a different you know maybe they'll make some money with it but it's it's really to like to connect with their customers Mm -hmm. to educate people about something that they're doing you know one one producer we were talking to said that you know she does on like farm to table dinners and it like costs a lot of money it takes a lot of time to set up and she doesn't even count that as part of her like you know, like revenue, it's like only her marketing budget. So it's really just seeing that as a marketing opportunity, which is cool. But then I'm trying to think like some of the places we've been, we went down to Sylvatica Forest Farm Mm -hmm. in Mount Vernon, and they do a lot of really cool workshops, like a mushroom log inoculation and um, that kind of stuff. But the one we were there to talk about was like an herbal medicine making workshop. So, you know, they have a lot of people who are just interested in, you know, herbal medicine and the benefits of it and that kind of stuff. So they were providing this workshop for them and kind of utilizing like the stuff they have on the land that naturally grows, they could forage, you know, and that kind of stuff, which was really cool. Um, a totally different approach was we went out to Coleman Crest Farm here in Lexington uh, and they were having kind of like a it's a little bit hard to explain, but kind of like a family reunion, Brett, mm-hmm. is that how you would describe it? Like, we're just like inviting people out to the farm to really just uh, be out in the space, kind of like honor the the history of the place to teach people the history of the farm and um, have like a big dinner with a, you know, blow up slide and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So if you're not Jim Coleman, uh, an African-American, like, I don't know, so how many generations th- farm, his family's been in his farm. He has this very interesting and uh, compelling story about the farm staying in his family and some really spectacular, uh, amazing individuals in his family in the past and their kind of their future vision. And I think part of it, the reason I even you know mentioned his race in the first place is because I think that the the family reunion thing you mentioned, he had called back to that. As this huge part of his life growing up that his whole family would come back to the farm once a year, at least, and they would have these great times and that he was trying to cultivate that type of feel and energy and environment on the farm. And I think in particular, there's a lot of reasons why that's important. One of the main ones uh, to me that jumps out is just that that cultural legacy of african-american farmers in kentucky would be very easy to lose given you know rates of selling the farm given all the long history of oppression etc and so i think that that being able to kind of tell this story is a huge part of their approach and and i think it's a huge Mm -hmm. part of what they're trying to do is get more and more people out to the farm to be able to just share that story and maybe even have people imagine themselves kids or other, otherwise imagine themselves in agriculture in a way that maybe they they hadn't before. So mm-hmm. yeah, that family reunion thing was definitely uh, the way that I, I took it too.
0: The uh, you, Emily, you mentioned something where I think a lot of people – When they think of agritourism, they think of sort of that you pick idea like or, you know, in the slides and stuff like that. But, you know, you're picking a pumpkin, you're picking a vegetable, you're picking a flower, strawberries, whatever. But a lot of like agritourism now, I think, is going to either like a workshop type design or, Mm -hmm. you know, or that kind of share a meal. Like I've seen a lot of, um, you know, I'm, of course, in the flower world. So I've seen a lot of like even people who are coming to the farm to like paint Uh, And so they have somebody come in and do um, teach them how to paint a floral, you know, something. But they're on the farm surrounded by the flowers. So it's not really as much about like the flowers themselves or the, you know, yoga in the flower fields or, you know, that style of agritourism, which is, you know, short, sweet and to the point. Maybe it doesn't does or does not involve the farmer, but it's getting people around that um and and then like the workshop side of it as well and i've heard some people say like you know, like sylvatica farm's a great one like right they're selling mushrooms they do that but then they teach people how to grow their own mushrooms and there's kind of this idea i think with farmers like why would i teach them how to do that they're not going to come back and buy that stuff for me at market or whatever and it's not really like that like i think my experience with that as well as what I've seen other farms do is you know you can sell them a kid or do a workshop and teach them how to design and if anything it gives them more of appreciation for what you do and it connects them to you a little bit more uh they know how much hard work it is and so they're probably apt to buy more from you because they're like you know what I'm gonna leave it to you on <laughs> that has that been on all the cool things that you've seen you know very different worlds than what I'm used to. Has that been your experience?
4: Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that's such a good point. And just like going off of that, it makes me think of like, you know, in Kentucky and I'm sure elsewhere, like in in 2020, we saw this like huge rise of the popularity of agritourism Mm because people, you know, couldn't be inside at, I don't know, Gaddy Town or something. They had to be, (laughs) you know, out at the farm. So was like a really good space. Mm -hmm. And I think something else that like maybe we've learned to treasure coming out of COVID is like the the importance of connection, you know, and like, so these like smaller opportunities, like connection to the land, connection to each other and like connection to the people that grow our food. I think these, you know, agritourism opportunities are like a perfect kind of mesh of all of those things that, that people, I don't know, I feel like really value.
2: These agritourism operations, they're just so they will always be fascinating to me because, it, we're you know, we're lucky in Bourbon County here. We have some awesome examples of, you know, agritourism operations and, and four relatively large farm stores that are located within the county here, along with a lot of other agritourism venues. But just what motivates people and people's backgrounds that want, you know, that, that motivate them to get into agritourism, which is much different than just straight line production. You know, uh, it's always fascinating to me. And I've seen some really good examples of where people have lots of production experience and they dip their toes into agritourism related endeavors. And it wasn't for them when I thought that they would succeed. And I've worked with folks that really don't have any production experience and they just blindly go into agritourism related ventures and there's some examples out there where they're doing very well right now and it would terrify me but you know, <laughs> what's fascinating is you know what motivates people to do this because this agritourism to to a whole farm approach is very complex you're not only producing but you're selling you're marketing and you're handling all of these other things which is an incredible skill set to have but yeah these are just so fascinating and and I look forward to hearing all of these stories for some of the reasons that I just mentioned uh, because these agritourism, I guess there's a lot of moving parts is what I'm getting at in agritourism operations. And it's pretty cool that uh, some producers make that work and make it work very well. And each one of them have a different set of objectives uh, that I've worked with. So no, no two operations are the same. Truly, truly, truly. So yeah, it's do you fascinating. Have,
1: do you have any insights on the motivations, Emily, from, I know you mentioned earlier Somebody mentioned earlier about how thinking of it as like their marketing budget rather than, you know, an event that's trying to generate mm-hmm. revenue. Any other, you know, motivations do these people tend to have, like educational slash enrichment outlooks, or I remember you said the other day something about uh there might be some people were trying to just get their how their corn or their what, cob house or something else built. Did you mention that to me?
4: No, it wasn't me. Like, oh. I, I, sounds
3: like I would say something cynical like kind of you know the free labor aspect of like yeah you know, some, some i told you some right all about zone. that one
0: flower farmer who did like a, a speed dating thing where they weeded her garden beds and like mm. and like that's a, right before and, you invited that, us to I come weed your that. beds yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a there's a flower farm loving fresh flowers in uh, philadelphia and she did like a it was like speed dating and like you had like a flower bed and they like speed dated while they weeded and I was like that's freaking brilliant right Right. Right. like Brilliant, and or like, and I don't know if it was like BYOB or something like that, but yeah, it was brilliant.
2: Call oh, it weed dating. The heck with a speed dating. Let's be <laughs> yeah. no deceptive marketing here. It's weed dating. Well, of course, I could get weird. you have in. to clarify that. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That could derail very quickly. Sorry. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll maybe we'll wordsmith that a little bit. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds
3: me flooding. of like the the first farm that I worked on. It was around this time of year, and we were going to be planting garlic, and there was a group from the farm that we were trying to connect with, uh, like buyers at like a regional whole foods. And we got them to plant a row of garlic for us, <laughs> which they found to be this, you know, really enriching experience being out in the country and being productive. And like me and my friend who would have had to do it, we're like, yeah, it's great. You know, thanks.
2: <laughs> thanks
3: you guys for are doing a great appreciate job. appreciate <laughs> you.
1: <laughs> I just, I just remembered. So say our friend, our friend, Sarah, uh, was telling me about some workshop where some people had people come (laughs) and do a straw bale house. Um, and it was Mm. building their house and then people were learning how to build that house, that type of house in the process. So I did not have, that one is not attributable to a fever dream. Um, (laughs) sorry I interrupted you, Emily. You're
2: not making this one up. That one, that one is
1: 90% true. Emily, I think you were going to say something.
4: Uh, Yeah. I was just going to say like, as far as another motivation I think that's come up is just like, it's, I think a lot of, producers that are doing these like smaller ones it's just another like a value add to their product mm-hmm. you know it's not it's not gonna it's not a whole other operation like a lot of the bigger agritourism mm-hmm. you know um, places are but it's just like this added value you get just for being their customer uh, mm-hmm. or something so kind of going back to what alexa said about like it really yeah is connecting you to them in a way that's you know unique
2: One of our farms does the meals like that, I want to think, because I, you know, when we're, we're talking about like farm to table meals, they do that several events a year, but it's not, I have a feeling and I've talked to them and have a good relationship with them, but they do these meals, but I know it's not from a pure economic standpoint. It's also to connect the clientele as a value add to the operation to bring them closer and closer and closer to the farm experience and therefore, you know, bringing them closer into them and it's like a value add proposition i think on top of any economic gains they may have for you know sponsoring their food products in a very nice meal but yeah even that wasn't simple i was you know in my tiny man brain i was like Hmm. economics, where's the dollars behind this? <laughs> yeah. But it's more than just that. And it with agritourism operations, you can take any one facet of the operation. And it's usually more than just what you think it is, how they got to a point of growing shiitake mushrooms on natural logs or, you know, working with dyes or working with a farm to table mill. And that's what's so fascinating to me and why I'm excited to hear these stories, because I want to hear the narrative. I love the narrative and and how people get from point A to point B uh sounds like a great project
1: i think i think another aspect of what I, that i appreciate about the 2.0 component especially you know within horticulture is that it really pushes both in terms of just conversations within you know people within ag professionals but also the public in general it pushes concepts about what is and is not included within farming or agriculture etc it's not just this stereotypical image you have in your mind. It's all of these other things. And I think in some ways it kind of blends elements of what might, might've been called like eco tourism at mm-hmm. some point, Totally. <clears throat> and which, you know, can mean all kinds of different things, but it really emphasizes that just that general kind of connection to the land. And then the, the just wide variety of crops, like in horticulture that we have is that, I mean, like, do you, would you say Emily, many of the farms that are doing some of this 2.0 stuff, do they feel a little more non-traditional or do they, is it kind of a mix that, that you've seen?
4: Kind of a mix, but I mean, probably leaning to the more
0: non-traditional.
2: It's horticulture. Uh, remember Brett? Or that's right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> by default, by definition.
0: I would love to hear about some of the ones that are like, maybe start like most non-traditional to, you know. The, the everyday one or as close to the everyday one we're used to like well before,
1: before you off the you just, top
0: of your head. <laughs> well you
1: like this isn't necessarily agritourism, but would you just share really quick, uh did you end up going to the, the cavern thing down in the scuba thing?
4: Oh no I didn't sadly. No, okay. I haven't gone yet.
3: The scuba okay. thing.
4: <laughs> Still on the agenda, but
1: well, could could you just say what that is? I had never heard of that and it feels I don't know if it's not really, I mean, maybe it is agritourism. I don't know. But can you just say what that is? It's cool.
4: I mean, it's definitely ecotourism.
1: Yeah.
4: We're like combining them, but they, it's this like old quarry down in Hopkinsville. That is like, I think it's like 150 or 200 feet deep. And they've, you know, it's filled with water now and it's like super clear and they've sunk a bunch of like school buses and boats and all this crazy stuff. Years ago, and now it's like this, like regional scuba diving destination. That <laughs> it just it interesting,
2: yet. but also terrifying. Yeah, yeah. A bit. yeah.
4: Photos, and it's actually like really cool. And like you <laughs> know, fish have like made homes in these like old buses, and it's just like a, I don't know, like a very it's like a picture down into the down deep. There. Yeah,
1: it's an example of where you see the bus, and it's okay to go go on in. <laughs>
4: yeah,
1: like right. the pumpkin patch. <laughs> Right. That might be the most the most out there uh, example that we can. Yeah, that is a, a but
3: definitely eco. Is, F- F- Z- is,
4: is, is it? No, go ahead.
3: No, no, no. They hear Is it like aquaculture? Are there like?
4: Right. I mean, there might be. I don't know. I catch like We'll say yeah. yes, just so it's topical.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just go down there and you grab a whole bunch of shrimp and you.
4: the I grabbed a tilapia. A good example of one that's like. Kind of a traditional place like Shaker Village. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like this, like we have this idea of like what it is and like what you go there for, but they're really dipping their toes into these like more unique like agritourism, ecotourism things of like really like paying attention to like, you know, the bugs that are here just Mm -hmm. different times of years and doing like specific tours for that kind of stuff or like maybe like a full moon walk to kind of like ground yourself and um, that kind of stuff. And I think. That's a cool example because it is like, you know, unique um, for their space, but it's like really getting people to care about that land, you know, and Mm -hmm. just like, it's like, I I think it was a good example too, because like, you know, kind of opening producers minds, like you have all of this land, like, let's say you have, you know, 50 acres even or something and like, yeah, you have so much, you know, this percentage of it in production, but you can do all this really cool stuff on the other section too. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just have to be engaging with crops or anything like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, I live really close to Shaker and it's really cool that they do they use what they have, right? So like you were saying like the moonwalks or the wildflower walks or you know the in you know these insect cool insects and it costs them nothing besides a guide. Like they have to have somebody mm-hmm. knowledgeable, right? But it's not like you have to have jars. You have to have all of these things that you would for a pick or something along those lines. Like yeah. it's just like show up at this place at this time. Give me your money or don't. Like maybe it's just like a free tour to, you know, get people wanting to come back. And then like they just have to have a person to lead, you know? Yeah.
3: I used to, uh, I had a friend who was actually doing that at Shaker, the Dylan, who used to work mm-hmm. out there, but he came from kind of an eco tourism background. And it very much crosses over this, like, essentially, you're. Interpreting the landscape for people, whether mm-hmm. it's an agricultural yeah. landscape and like management going on, or you know forest succession or whatever, it's all kind of the same skill set of walking people through a place and and explaining to them what they're what they're kind of seeing or what's going on behind what they're seeing.
1: Are we calling it Shaker now? Is that, is that yeah? Just
0: I call it
3: Shaker City. Oh my <laughs> god, Shaker
0: City. <laughs> so, so for
1: those of you who who maybe are listening from other places, there's a place called Shaker Village. Um, at Pleasant Hill or something like that. Mm-hmm, it's a non-profit mm-hmm. organization now, but it run uh, lots of old buildings. It's an old Shaker settlement. Current People policies are yes, children are allowed, but back if you know anything about the Shakers, the policy was the children <laughs> were strictly forbidden.
2: They didn't, and so they children, didn't, didn't want to have yeah, that. children.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was that was my attempt at a joke, but. but they're
4: also a certified organic farm. Yes, mm-hmm. so, yeah, to they were CSA and also to their restaurant.
1: And so it's this it's this um, organization that's familiar to us, uh, known to locals as Shaker.
2: <laughs> Shaker Metro, <But>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <so,
3: laughs> Shake Vegas yeah exactly
4: (laughs) I haven't heard of any of these but I'm hoping to see some like spooky agritourism opportunities coming up Mm. yes
0: we
2: are talking there's some here in Georgetown that do that I think some of the equestrian trails they convert to like spooky trails hayrides with differing levels of terror included for the whole family so yeah And and I've seen that grow some in the past I don't know 20 years where you have a trail or you have some land, it can be a, just kind of an add-on, an extra draw, or it can be a main feature of operations. But yeah, that's... I, would corn mazes be included in that? I'm just curious. Would you include like a... a not that a corn maze has to be terrifying, but would that be sort of the spooky <laughs> stuff or is that just a think a good one should curious. be. <laughs> should be. People jumping out of the corn, maybe. That's pretty scary. Or just standing there quietly staring at you while you walk no, through That it. would be me on any
3: giving
0: just day, Brett, Josh. Just Brett freezing the way he does. Yeah, you just just frozen in time as you walk by him,
2: got him. <laughs> yes
3: yeah got him. what yeah. uh nailed some good what are some examples. of the
0: other ones emily that you've seen that are you know maybe doing something a little bit different
4: oh gosh really putting me on the spot i feel like we've talked about you know the ones that we've done the episodes on there's oh there's one actually that's in the pipeline i haven't confirmed it yet but doing like harvesting like i don't even know the proper term but like fur from alpacas and Mm -hmm. like making Mm -hmm. shearing yeah shearing alpacas and making yarn and dyeing it so it's like the whole process of it which would be pretty cool um i know annie brett's partner would probably really like that one that's awesome um yeah
0: i think agritourism loves to shear yeah loves to shear. shear. (laughs) we're kind of talking about about 2.0 but and i think I think to me the 2.0, and this is just my personal interpretation of it, is like, how do we make agritourism more simple? Like, I think a lot of the yeah. 2.0 is like simplifying the idea. Like, you don't have to have the spinny teacups. Like, you you can just use with what you have. <laughs> you not, and it's I mean, mean,
1: regular teacups are fine.
0: Like you have you only get on the teacups after you have drank a gallon of mm. cider and ate eight, and eight <laughs> donuts. Like that's the rule.
3: But Nine Nine 18 wheel simple,
0: Simpl- Simpl- Simplify <laughs> it and, and,
3: simple.
0: <laughs> and maybe it's just a um maybe it's not open to everybody maybe it's not on like a free for all or it's you know that you have to, like we've been saying you don't have to put a lot of money into it so like one i've personally been dabbling with i was listening to another podcast my digital farmer corinna bench uh i think a lot of us on here have listened to her but she was talking about how to like uh celebrate your top five top 10 however many best customers and that's like (laughs) however you define your best customer right like it could be money spent but it could also be people who talk you up whatever that is and like I was thinking okay well these are the people who keep you know wanting to connect with me I don't do any type of agritourism on our farm with flowers but like I could have 10 people that are my 10 best customers come out hand them a jar and be like you can pick because I can manage that. I can teach them how to pick. I can be there with them and it doesn't cost me anything, but a couple Mason jars, you know, and, and we make that connection together. And, you know, that's something where if you do it once or twice a year and you're only doing it for those people, you know, they're probably going to spend a lot more or they're going to talk you up a lot more. Uh, And you only, if you're worried from an insurance perspective, like you can get like one day, you know, liability insurance, you know, for, minimal amount that would cover 10 people. You know, you don't have to get a full big policy for that. You don't have to get a lot of permanent infrastructure. You know, you put a tent up with some water. Like, you don't have to have bathrooms. You know, you let them know ahead of time because it's just 10 people that you're kind of, you know, handling. And to, to me, it seems like an easy way to dip your toe in and it is making that connection. With, and maybe you charge them, maybe you don't. But Two to me is like how do we simplify this into something that I don't have to have a wagon for, and I don't have to have school buses of children out for, and I still reap the benefits of agritourism. But so
1: I I have a different take, and I think our takes with our takes combined, we will be the <laughs> yeah. agritourism planet. <laughs> I, and I, I think you know just based on what I'm hearing hearing Emily say, is also offering things sometimes that may not that may appeal to an audience that traditional agritourism Mm. wouldn't appeal to as much. So like, I'm thinking of the the, uh, stereotypical childless millennial, uh, young professional class. Yeah, a few of us among this. You know, I don't have, I personally don't have a a kid that I uh, would need to take out and let them run around and go down slides and have all that fun and it's just
2: an excuse for me to do it. like,
1: yeah, if
0: you need an think. aunt to go down a slide with your kid, I'm here for that. So, yeah, I find that
1: if you're influence. confident, Ray, they'll let they'll let you go down no matter what, even if you're not <laughs> you're with,
2: with a child. Weird looks though, if you're with a child. <laughs> I can go to Kings Island all day long. No longer <laughs> get weird looks. I have a ten year old, but yeah, yeah. But I think you so know, I'm just curious. Sorts of things, yeah.
1: yeah. And I, I just think also there's some people who are going to go on an herb walk or a. Moon, moonlight walk that maybe, you know they they're looking for something a little more secluded, a little bit quiet there a little more been some of those
2: a little bit of that, like poppy days. Alexis, I think you've helped me mm-hmm. out with some issues out of Middle Springs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're of that exact mindset, Brett. They're looking for different things. They're really, like even on the fringe of horticulture, not radically, but they're looking for things to differentiate themselves. I think they've mm-hmm. had a lily day and a poppy day and daffodils. photo ops days, daffodils. They had the daffodil days and did very well with that. It's, it's not like it's really, really super different, but they're very targeted on very specific things. And they've done really well. With just having theme days, they're like, "Well, they, you know, I was talking to him the other days, Is like, what are we, you know, the theme day? What's what's coming up?" So yeah, they they kind well, of what does one of those days
3: sort of look like? Like it's when those things are in bloom,
2: mm-hmm. people yes. come out and mm-hmm. harvest them. Like and poppies and there's all I these see. beautiful photographs that come out with them tagged on like Instagram and all the social platforms, it's free marketing. And it's, it's given them incredible differentiation and free market. So their reach has just exploded and done really well because they're doing things that not everybody else does. And it's easily identifiable with them because, you know, people are pretty good about tagging them and they've really kind of landed on something. It's sort of a novel approach. To doing these different things, and it's not general; it's very specific type days Emily, uh, that that begin and end.
0: You hit on something which I think was like so cool and important is that you know if you have a farm and you're not necessarily growing on all of it, that doesn't mean that you can't make some sort of money or mar- or market the other parts of your farm and you know, in a very simple way. And so one one farm I know that's doing that and maybe a little bit more intensive than what you're talking about, but like could easily be back down. So River Bend Blooms is a flower farm down in Bowling Green. And what she's done this year, they have a really big farm. Um, they do corn and soybean and things like that as well. But uh, what she's done this year is they have all these like essentially cover crop fields, like Red, a field of red clover, a field of different wildflowers. A field like there's these all these different fields, and she got a grant to get those um those tall Just flags tall that like you you know can see as you drive by, and she put them all in order, and she's got these flags that say like field one, field two, field three, and she puts online like when each field is blooming, and. People can come whenever they want to those fields. She's not necessarily there, and they reserve a spot online and in her calendar. And, like, uh, you know, people can come out and get their photo taken, like with their family, or they can even come pick some flowers if they want. I mean, they're not, you know, that. But what that seems to have done is when she does have a you pick or she does uh, sell bouquets off the farm for like the actual product, people know all about her they've been to the farm they know where to find her They they found you know and all those photographers tag her farm and so people are like where is this where is this and so yeah she's managing those but then she's gonna flip them and she's gonna crop those so she's giving herself a cover crop she's improving her soil and then later you know she might move those somewhere else and so mm-hmm. she's improving her farm's soil structure or pollinator habitat doing all those things we tell you to do but she's getting something out of it and um you know if that means that you're just like getting an NRCS grant and putting a couple acres in uh you know pollinator field and then like telling people they can come walk around on it uh, other than insurance I mean it's kind yeah. of a low-key way to market yourself
2: I got a question for you guys Uh, anybody that has experience with this, but is the story of agritourism operations in Kentucky generally the story of uh, families? Just rattling around my head, I mean, is the whole family involved or is that a typical situation from your guys' experience? uh, I would love to hear, you know, any kind of insight you guys can provide on that.
3: You mean in terms of the people who are hosting the ag tourism? Yes, yeah, like if they have
2: a, a like a plot of land or a location. I mean, is it pretty? What typical have you seen with, Emily? Or, yeah.
4: I mean, I think like if I think back to you know the, these more like traditional agritourism opportunities, I would say yes, mm-hmm. uh, just because um, they're really big, but they're like more child. Focused. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. not always. I mean, mm-hmm. I go to the pumpkin patch with my friends, you
2: know. <laughs> it get your face painted.
4: Yeah. And I haven't, no, I, nothing comes to mind right now, but I'm sure there are also really niche ones targeted towards children as well.
2: You yeah. Know?
1: I mean, but even like on the management side, right, Ray, like,
2: yeah, just the whole thing, because, you know, sometimes these operations are considered, you know, all hands on deck within a family, adults and children or Mm -hmm. other relatives or I don't know, family units sometimes could be more conceptual, like a community unit. But it seems like it literally for these operations, they're so complex and so big, it either takes a village to raise them up or it takes a rather large family unit to manage all of these different pieces to the operation. And that's another fascinating Mm -hmm. thing to me is that it's, there's usually some kind of community component or some motivation to make people want to do these things and then sustain these things. Like no one person can maintain these, you know, especially the larger uh, agritourism ventures and operations. Uh, It takes more than just that. And I've, I've never personally worked with one that's just, like a single person and that hires all the labor out. i have never, i have never personally seen that. I'm sure it's out there. What is
0: among the Oaks though? I mean, they're, there's, those are the people that work there, right. For like their type of stuff.
4: Yeah. Two people. Um,
1: I think, you know, one, one typology of agritourism management structure, et cetera, or uh, history that I've seen uh it's not not universal by any means but it is it is there's a a traditional you know tobacco cattle something or other farm and the commodity stuff isn't doing as good as it used to or it's just you know whatever and so the in some cases you know to gender it a little bit based on what i've seen the wife will start doing some agritourism type stuff and then they realize, holy moly, we just made a lot of money doing that. Retail prices are different
2: than wholesale. Yeah. So then
1: there's more involvement and in kind of a transition toward doing more of that uh, agritourism focus, or or if the you know again, this is not universal at all, but in the more traditional, if the the husband's the farmer and the wife is sort of the business manager of the mm-hmm. of the operation. The husband will come up with good ideas for how to structure the pumpkin patch, or how to, you know, install such and such mm-hmm. thing that, in a way, that's going to work really well for the classes to come out, or for people to come out, or whatever, or grow particular varieties, or figure out how to grow this or how to grow that. And then over time, there's sort of that combination. I think in some of the agritourism 2.0, sometimes you'll have both parties within a relationship or the whole family involved right from the get-go because they're kind of all on the same page and it's not adapting away from mm-hmm. one style Production, of to agriculture. another. Yeah, Um, but I think in general, yeah, anyone who's been successful would tell you that community support is absolutely critical, especially ongoing community support. You know, not just Mm -hmm. the one time a year that an individual will come out. There's a little bit more of a buy-in and and seeing value in having that nearby too. You know, Alexis was talking about the being three miles away, and there's aspects about it that are not necessarily exciting. Um mm-hmm. that that being a good neighbor can be a part of that, I think too um but uh yeah, that's a really interesting question right
2: yeah, just uh I've seen so many different scenarios there's you know little you know smaller operations that are more compact than there's these larger sprawling operations that incorporate both elements of traditional ag and then you know. Deep holes of water with school buses buried in them (laughs) and everything in between. Uh, Once again, there's no two that I've ever worked with that are the same. Uh, And in some cases, there might be generations that are being raised up within families. And that's one of the motivating factors is to somehow keep them on maybe a family farming operation. And they realize that there is change needed. Uh, economically to make it sustainable for more family members. I'm working with a large operation right now. That's the case where there's like three generations involved. And the youngest generation is, hey, we need to restructure things to look at our cash flow. Yeah. So all kinds of motivati- motivations.
0: I had a question that for Emily that I have
2: Already donuts. forgot. It's I was. Li- I was. I'm trying Please.
0: to listen more instead of like thinking about my retort, which means that I forget what they I was gonna say, and I'm like, well, all why? I I you remember what, what you said, but I don't know what I'm supposed to Maybe say. Your
1: first mistake. <laughs> <laughs>
2: nah. Why are you listening to everyone else? Yeah. You should be ready with your own. Well,
0: kind. okay, then I'll I'll ask this as we kind of like. Oh no! I remember Emily. When can we find these? Video, all the I mean, you talked mm-hmm, about a lot yes. of different really cool videos that you guys um, have been doing that I'm super excited for. When and where can we find those?
4: So, rough timeline, um, it's rough timeline. <laughs> <Very> rough.
2: <laughs>
4: we now have a computer that can actually process the 4K video, so wow. now we're talking but sometime in October, we'll have the first episode at least up. Um, definitely on the CCD website, uh, the CCD YouTube page, um, and then Facebook. And hopefully
0: it'll be shared out, you know, among people. I'm going to share the crap out of it. it everywhere you look. <laughs> everywhere. You can't escape it. Well, awesome. Well,
1: I'll also just mention, in addition to all the other things that she's doing, if you've noticed, if you're a follower, a longtime follower – of the ccd social media and you've noticed an uptick in quality in the last you know several months yes, that, is, I have. that is attributable to or that is attributable to emily doing that um and she's done a fantastic job and i think just so much better than i could even imagine doing at this point point. and so yeah really really proud of that also perhaps emily's greatest quality is she is a day one hort culture podcast listener.
4: <laughs> nice. Am, every
0: episode. It's, yeah. it was, I felt so cool. It was like we'd only put out a couple episodes, I think. And I met Emily for the first time in person, and she was like, I listened to your podcast. And yeah. I was like, we four episodes. It felt like the coolest person alive. I was like, is this like, am I Taylor Swift? Like, what is happening? We yeah.
2: a video so we could be recognized, Alexis. We got to add this video component to I know. To that.
0: Listen, I'm fine with it. I look fine today. It's just can, one button away. That's
2: all
3: we
0: that.
2: need. I just need to
3: push the button. I should
0: be videoing everybody for, uh, our instagram everybody say hi hi taking that with flash yeah, yeah it's with flash remember that time earlier
1: when i asked that really cool question about what jersey number you would have an extension
3: yeah,
0: phone number.
1: <laughs> if it, it went about as well as it just did now, yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, let's close out this episode. And Thank I'm you gonna so ask... much
1: for visiting with us, yeah. Emily. Yeah, really no, but I forward to this oh, series. Sorry, sorry, I'm excited, you guys. Sorry, I was listening. to me myself talk. No, <laughs> I, you
0: said you I sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, really quick. All right, if you were going to do any type of agritourism, like sky is the limit, you have all the money, all the land, all the whatever that you need. What would you do, Josh? Go.
3: Uh CSA potluck with farm tour, probably.
0: Mm, okay, all right.
3: Because it would be interesting what I'm doing with the land. And so you're doing you're doing like full
0: a, like the whole meal. Yeah, the full your service pigs. showcase. Deal. Love it. Yeah. Cool. Okay, Ray.
2: Non timber forestry products, old growth stand <laughs> with paths and things like that. Maybe a fairy garden in the middle. I don't know. Nice, <laughs> nice, Brett. Just saying.
1: Felled tree, uh hardwood reclamation, drying, processing, and drying.
0: What? Oh. Emily. Hi, Dala. This isn't a refined thought, but
4: I'm thinking some kind of like foraging thing, but with mm. chickens. <laughs>
3: yes. Like Hot they just
4: like angle. tag along next yeah. to you yeah. and you're Training like, hey, the chickens hey forage like what's
2: pigs. up?
0: I'm stuck between the one that you all know that I'm going to say, which is like a- um, Do it design and dine type situation where there's like big family style tables in the middle of the flower field and then we make something pretty. But also I'm really getting into uh, like doing tapping maples and I think that would be a Super mm, yeah, cool! Yeah. Like, I miss I love making maple syrup. Sure. a great workshop. Yeah, like yeah, that's like, a good one from the beginning to the end, like mul- kind of a multiple day type situation. Yeah, but anyways, that's good stuff. It's just on my mind right now. Yeah, All right, well, cool. we are so happy to be still recording. Emily, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. You hear that, listeners? You, too, could be on the podcast, all yes. five of you, uh, <laughs> if you want. But uh, we're, we're excited. Next week, we're going to talk about garlic, I think. So oh, that's yeah. yes. keeping it timely. Timely, uh, mm. so timely keep, and keep, keep tasty. It, if you have any thoughts about uh, what you would like to hear about, you know, we keep, we've been getting some info, and that's wh- where we come up with some of those ideas. We always tell you. So feel free to email us uh, at hortculturepodcast at l.uky.edu. You can also follow along with us. Uh, You can send us a DM if you want uh, on our Instagram page, which is hortculturepod. So check us out on there. I am trying to channel my inner Emily by having good social media for us. So. I'm doing that. We'd also love if you would leave us a review. I am thinking, I haven't told anybody else in this group this yet, but I am thinking about doing some sort of swag bag, uh, sending out a swag bag to people who leave us some reviews. So I'm still, uh, you know, dabbling. If you want a swag bag, DM me. I think I can
1: contribute a signed headshot. (laughs) <laughs> I, asked, I asked Fred if CCD
0: had any like any swag, like pens or something. He was like, No, we have nothing. I was like, okay, we Ray, just, we're Ray and just I are gonna
2: get to- our own clothing. We're gonna come up with some stuff. We can do this. We'll come up. We so so
0: please leave us a review. How about we do the first review after this podcast airs? We'll get a swag bag and then we'll do like a drawing or something like that. I'm just gonna say it, I'm gonna put it out into the atmosphere that we're gonna do this. Emily's like, I am getting on
2: yeah (laughs) you can absolutely leave a
0: review if you're for your the podcast episode you're on but we would love that it helps other people find us so it it pleases the algorithm uh but i think that's all we hope we hope you had a great time (laughs) we hope you have a great great we always do (laughs) Uh, and have a, a wonderful day we hope that as you grow this podcast you will grow with us and join us next week we're talking garlic